everyone, and welcome to episode 169 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and like usual, I'm joined this week by Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth, what's going on? Uh, not much. We actually have a ton of things to talk about today, so our agenda is pretty long. We got Dominaria pre-release events, we have a couple of different arena-related topics, uh, arena codes, arena limited, we have some brawl news on Magic Online, we have some Magic Online uh, bugs or errors to talk about, the new print stock, the arena creators program, and then of course fish mail. So rather than talking for one topic for like 20 minutes today, we're going to hit on a lot of topics relatively quickly, but it is pre-release weekend, Dominary pre-release this past weekend, release on Friday. Richard, I heard you mean it to pre-release. How was the Dominary pre-release? Uh, it was okay. I think I actually had the worst pool I've ever opened, ever. <laughs> you say that every I, I say that, podcast. but this... Alright, 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 alright. <laughs> I opened dual lands. Whenever you open a dual land, is bad. I opened the Cabal Coffers land, also bad. My yeah. my bombs were two haphazard bombardments. <laughs> now Bo- I bombs. literally felt like I was playing Hearthstone the entire week. You, it's a six drop. You put four aim counters on things. At the beginning of your end step, <laughs> you choose one at random to destroy. And uh, the good news is when I actually cast this thing, our Jesus was on my side, and I had the thing <laughs> I wanted to kill. And my opponent was like, "Really? Did this happen? Twenty five percent chance?" Like. <laughs> Basically Hearthstone. I, I felt like this this is the embodiment of Hearthstone in Magic. But I'm glad I went because I got to experience uh, the cardstock. It, it was actually very noticeable when you crack a pack. The cards feel different. They feel smooth. I want to say like silky. They feel uh, less flimsy. I don't know if they're actually thicker, but they, they feel like they're more solid and you can tell there's a difference and I've heard rumors of people putting their foils in their car all day and they didn't curl at all so I I was actually quite impressed with the cardstock quality and also the look of the foils Uh, I pulled some random legendary uncommons and uh, they were foil and they looked really sweet so the cards themselves uh, looked pretty good they felt good and it felt like I don't know, like a premium card game now, right? It was not like these weird warped cards coming out or bad colors and stuff like that. It it felt and looked really good for cardstock. Oh, interesting. So I didn't go to pre-release, so I haven't experienced the cardstock firsthand. I have a couple boxes that are coming, so I'll be excited to check it out. But that's good to hear, because that's been one of the biggest complaints. And I've seen, like, back and forth reports from people, some people happy, some people not. It's hard to kind of parse through it on, like, social media and Reddit, but definitely good to hear that cardstock might actually be improving. So you could definitely tell that the cards felt different in your hand like the finish is that different that you're like huh this is new yeah definitely if you can tell immediately i'm not like you know at, at every set i don't open and like feel the cards and check how <laughs> laxity they are like i have no idea but when i open these i'm like huh they feel they feel pretty different actually and have you looked back on your openings in the last couple days like now that it's been a few days are they holding up uh, I'm assuming they haven't curled because they're just sitting <laughs> in my house. Uh, I, I I don't know. They, I haven't checked back. I assume the cards haven't disintegrated since then. <laughs> uh, you, you're supposed to check your cards every day, Richard. <laughs> uh, so 
what did what was the response to the format in general? Did people seem to be enjoying the pre-releases? I know I didn't play one, like I said, but I saw on social media, it seemed like the response was very positive overall to the format and to the set, and just in general, it seemed like it was a pretty feel-good pre-release weekend. It, yeah. Was that your experience? I think so. I think a lot of people like the nostalgia. Uh, a lot of people said, hey, I can do fun things. Uh, apparently there are enough mechanics and things that you can do fun things in uh, even in a sealed environment. Uh, at Sagas were cool. Uh, people had their planeswalkers and they were going up. And the fact, I don't know, just getting a legendary in every pack makes it feel like you did something. <laughs> because like usually like the legendaries do something unique or have something interesting. So it feels like you have a card that's not like, you know, a creature with stats on it or something, right? It feels like you're you're doing something. So I, I think it was overall, like, I would say most people looked like they were enjoying themselves. They, they weren't there because, you know, they there was some obligation, but they actually <laughs> wanted to, like, play Dominaria. And I, I don't know. I, I think Wizards just nailed it. I, I think it was fun. Uh, cars looked good. They felt good. Uh, the nostalgic things with it, it. Everything was just good, I think. Uh, how good were your haphazard bombardments? Were, is that actually terrible? A good I have card? no idea how gameplay went because my games were so bad, and like I don't think you know. Sometimes I say your format is bad, but you know, I I actually play games of Magic, and you're like, okay, I don't like this format. But my games were just so weird. I I ended up with red white auras, which is a terrible archetype. I don't know why they made this as an archetype, but you just get two for one left and right because you're trying to slap auras onto like these terrible creatures. So either my games ended really quick where I landed an aura on a creature and they couldn't deal with it and I just killed them, or they just bounced my creature two for one myself and I died holding some haphazard bombardments in hand. So I, I, I don't know that any of my games represented actual games in Dominaria. So I, I don't have any real opinion on the format what what was the sweetest thing you blew up with your two haphazard bombardments did you catch any sweet mythics or anything uh kazarov singer pure blood i hit oh it was <laughs> that's the seven mana four four that can gun down creatures so if the opponent would have untapped he would have just gunned down my entire board <laughs> but luckily haphazard bombardment <laughs> end of turn hit the pure blood just like i drew it up <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I'm excited to check it out on Magic Online. I haven't actually played a uh, event yet, but maybe for the stream tomorrow. We'll see. Maybe we'll do some uh, Dominaria Limited. Speaking of Dominaria and Magic Online, it seems like there's been some issues with <laughs> the release of Dominaria. So, Richard, what is going on with Dominaria on Magic Online? So, apparently, they're having collation problems with the packs on Magic Online. So, this is, you know, when you open a pack, it's not actually random cards. Uh, on Magic Online, they try to copy the print run in paper. Uh, so what that means is, you know, certain cards come together more frequently than other cards, and it's not random, there's an order. And especially with Dominaria, every pack has a legendary. And apparently they screwed this up, and there are a bunch of uh, legendaries that don't have a foil counterpart on Magic Online. Uh, you know, you can actually search the card, it's there, but when you open packs, you don't get them. And the bots are reporting this, because they open, uh, presumably, tons of packs, and they're like, how come we can't get any foils of this? So I don't know what that means for redemption because yeah. you need these foils to redeem foil sets and uh, you know I'm guessing a large majority of packs are opened 
uh, you know, during the first couple of days of the set release. So the fact that these cards aren't in the packs, I don't know what Wizards is going to do with. It's a little awkward. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because uh, for foils on Magic Online, since people don't really want to play foils for the most part because they don't look that great, the big driver of foil prices is redemption. Like, being able to redeem a foil set, it's kind of hard to put together a foil set in paper or expensive. So it's a good avenue to get paper foil sets. And having these cards missing, which probably going to mean they're going to be in really low supply... Uh, it's probably going to make redeeming foil sets really expensive. So not only will those cards likely be more expensive, it might even impact like some of the other cards as well. Like the Chase Mythics from the set in foil might be more expensive because people are going to be, you have to have one of each card to redeem the set. So it's going to make it very hard to put that together. So I'm going to be curious to see how this works out. And if Wizards does anything about it, I wonder if there, can you think of any fix? Like, is there any way they... If you played pre-release events, they grant you a foil copy each of these cards or something to try to make up for it, or are they just going to let it go as is? I have no idea. I mean, it is pretty bad. Like, imagine if, for example, you couldn't open a Karn in your packs, right? It's like kind of like that, except they're foil versions, so people won't be as upset. But if you're redeeming, it's a very big deal. And I don't know what they... They can't just give everyone a full... You know, like the 30 missing foils. Like, how are they gonna do that i mean the closest is like give replacement packs but then again you just like flooded the economy with packs so yeah i it would be something weird like they 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 add them to treasure chests or something stupid or like increase oh. the frequency of uh these spoils temporarily in magic online i don't know it's it's a mess it's one of those things that shouldn't happen and because it's happened it's really hard to solve because there's the random factor of, you know, opening packs. How do how does something like this happen? How do you accidentally go into a pre-release weekend and just have 30 some odd cards literally not show up in the packs? Like that that's that's a new one even for Magic yeah, Online it, it's standards. It's totally the the legendary, you know, every pack must have a legendary thing. <laughs> like they probably <laughs> did that and botched it somehow. They're like, "Oh, we didn't add these legendaries to the list." Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that should be interesting. Something to keep an eye on, especially if you're interested in the world of Magic Online finance stuff or redeeming sets. Or It seems unlikely that it will have an impact or too much of an impact on paper prices. I know we kind of freaked out a little bit with redemption times being cut like a year or two ago and thinking it could have an impact on the paper world. And I don't think it really has to any significant extent so far. It's been a weird year to parse through that with Standard being so weird and rough like uh, a year ago or so, so it was hard to tell what was exactly going on financially, but it doesn't seem like the cutting of redemption windows had a huge impact, so hopefully it doesn't have any negative impact in the paper world, and hopefully Wizards figure something out to make sure that doesn't happen, because that's kind of a big error, even by Magic Online standards. Mm -hmm. Well, in the world of Digital Magic, we now have another program to talk about, and that is Magic Arena. So we have some interesting arena stuff going on this week. First topic of arena is arena codes. So this has been something... Oh, it was so funny. Do you ever go to the arena the arena Reddit, Richard? The yeah. uh, r slash MTG arena? Yeah, I'm subbed. 
so they they heard that the codes were coming, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's gonna be like Pokemon! Every pack we buy, we're gonna get a free arena pack." And then Wizards was like, "Well, actually, with these codes, ten percent of them will have a pack in them. The other ninety percent, you get a bit of gold. I think it's a hundred gold in a random uncommon." And then uh, <laughs> the subreddit was all upset for a few minutes, and then Wizards said, "Oh well, this is just a test, though, so it could change in the future." And apparently, this is just a test meant to most of the people on the Rita subreddit that, oh, we're gonna we're gonna get free packs every time we buy a pack we're gonna get a free pack on Magic Arena so, uh, I don't think that's happening, but what's your take on, on these codes, these rewards, this system Richard? So I like that this is an option, but I like the fact that they're testing it it means it's feasible to put codes into packs, they're thinking there, but I'm not that hopeful I highly, highly doubt Wizards will add a pack uh, you know, like for every magic paper booster you buy, you get a magic arena pack. I highly doubt they would do that. They have been so stingy with rewards. Uh, my guess is they'll give you something like, you know, have a card frame or, you know, sign up, get a free starter pack or something like that. I don't know, but uh, it's prop. It's, it's like I'm optimistic, but I'm very cautious given R- Wizards track record so far. You know, they, they've, they've thought about this. There's some scanning thing. You can put in codes. Okay, they have the infrastructure. What will they do with it? Will they give us cards for free? Or will they make us feel bad opening terrible commons and uncommons? <laughs> uh, based on... Based on wizard's recent track record they really love randomness and like loot crate type stuff so that would be my expectation kind of like what we saw for this test run where 10 percent you get a booster pack 90 percent you get one of these cards and a bit of gold but even probably more than that with cosmetic items thrown in maybe even something better than a booster pack maybe you can get a draft token or something once limited starts actually going which would probably be worth more than a pack so that would kind of be my expectation i am very very sure uh, that they're not just going to give away Arena. They definitely seem to be making it clear that they see this as a way to make profit. Like, I think Pokemon, my understanding of that is their game basically runs as a loss and it's just at a loss and it's just a way to sell more paper product. You get this like bonus that you can play the cards online. That doesn't seem like what Wizards is trying to do with Arena. What that seems exactly like what Wizards is doing with Arena, no? They're they're so they're so like terrified of their digital offering kind of cannibalizing their paper offering that they they just want you to like play Arena and then somehow graduate into paper magic. Like isn't that their ultimate funnel? But I think they want to make money off Arena. Like yeah, I don't think they, they want their makes cake money. and eat it cool too. I don't think Pokemon really makes much money off of their digital platform. I think they just kind of more or less like give it away to people who buy their paper product. Wizards, I think, they want you to pay for Arena and Magic Online and also paper. They want the the money coming from all directions. (laughs) They're like, Magic players spend so much on on cards. Let's triple it. Magic Online, Paper, Arena. And we already Uh, took their their duels money, so it's okay. But I mean... 
we're we're being a little complainy, I guess, but it is good that they're doing this. Like it is, it's it's free value. You buy your paper product, and even if you're getting a random booster sometimes or some free cards and a little bit of gold, it's not like they increase the price of booster packs or anything. So it is kind of a free roll. One thing I didn't like, and hopefully this part changes. Well, actually, two things in regards to this. The first one was uh, they limited the number you could redeem to ten codes per account, which means, uh, assuming they kept this for the wide release, if you bought a booster box, you're going to end up with four times almost as many codes as you can actually redeem on your account. So I would like to see them get rid of that, especially since the rewards are kind of meh anyway. You might as well just let people redeem as many as they buy. Like, that puts a really weird cap on it. Like, if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to buy a booster box so I can get these arena codes, but you can only redeem 10 codes, why would you buy a booster box? You'd probably just buy the codes off someone if that's what you wanted to do. Or wait for your friend to open a booster box and steal 10 of their codes because they can't use them anyway. So what did you think about that cap on the code redemption? I, I don't know what to make. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I, I, I don't... I don't know where the, what they're doing or where they're trying to go with this, but maybe they're just trying to test the cap. Like, maybe in the future, the cap is, like, a 1,000 or something, right? And they're just putting it at 10 to, like, actually test that, you know, it caps and it does something. So I wouldn't put too much stock in that number right now. I'm just assuming they're testing some kind of arbitrary cap. And the other thing, before we move on from the codes, that I hope they don't do when... Because remember, we are in beta, things will change, but apparently you can't actually get Dominaria cards on Arena right now with, like, your wild cards or buy boosters, but... With the codes, you open Dominaria cards and you can play them. So there were some screenshots on Reddit of people that were playing their non-Dominaria deck and having to play like against Llanowar Elves and other Dominaria cards. So it felt weird to me that you would not only, like, getting free stuff is great, but getting access to cards that literally, if you don't have a code, you can't have access to for another X amount of days, that part was a little weird to me. Yeah, that's bad, but... I mean, that's how you add value to these commons, right? <laughs> Lawnmower Elves on its own is not, you know, too crazy, but Lawnmower Elves a week before anyone else has Lawnmower Elves. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's true. That is a reason to go out and play a pre-release or buy boosters getting cards early, so... Huh? Yeah. Uh, so, Arena. Sticking with Arena, we got a couple more Arena topics. One is, they have a big update coming this week. We have Dominaria coming, we have big promised economy updates we also have draft so i don't know if you're keeping up on this richard but draft is something that was promised on arena or expected to come to arena a few months ago now around the first of the year and it keeps getting pushed back keeps getting pushed back so uh this week wizards finally published an article and said draft is coming i think it's either this week or next week it's coming you've been waiting for it and then we found out it's actually this new kind of draft where you're drafting against seven ai opponents and then you play games against real people also that all drafts are going to be non-phantom so keeper drafts which might have some economic impact so what do you think about the draft situation on arena Oh, my my arena dreams have been crushed, Seth. <laughs> like, first, the hype was, like, super high. I was, like, 100%. You know, it actually released, you know, maybe I was at, like, 100% still. A couple of weeks gone by, maybe down to 80. I see the vault and the rewards. I'm down to 60. <laughs> and then I hear about non-phantom. I'm, like, down to 40. I hear about these fake drafts. I'm... They, they have quickly turned me into a hater <laughs> when I was, you know, very positive about Magic Arena. So, so talking Phantom versus non-Phantom, 
I want to play Magic without building a collection sometimes, right? It seems like they've thrown that totally out the window. You're always paying tons of money, buying cards, building a collection. And I just, I don't know why that always has to be the default mode. I would like a draft where I draft for a couple bucks and I don't keep any of the cards and I'm good to go, right? When you make it so that all events are phantom, it could end up being that instead of buying boosters and filling your vault and getting wild cards, the best way to get cards is to draft, right? I'll open yeah. up a Dominaria draft. Is there a mythic or rare that I need? Just take it for my deck instead of actually trying to draft a legitimate deck. And, you know, we see this in paper. We see the foil gave, uh, the foil goif problem. And it's just bad. I just want to play some magic. And I don't want to sit there and be like, oh, but I need, you know, I need this Planeswalker for my, my Brawl deck. Should I take it? Like, uh, I just don't like that aspect of Phantom versus non-Phantom. And everything should be Phantom, I think. You can't do Phantom in paper because the logistics of it is really hard. Right, but it's a digital game. You can just let them play with the cards and then take them away afterwards. Like I don't know why Wizards is so adverse to Phantom stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine to have keeper drafts. I don't think it necessarily needs to be all Phantom, but it's weird to not have that be an option because what I'm afraid, based on everything with Arena so far, is making it non-Phantom is an easy way for Wizards to justify charging a lot of money for the drafts. They're like, oh, you get to keep the cards. And also, the other thing was, uh, you have real 15-card packs, or I guess 14, because you don't have actual lands in the pack, but whatever. But you get real magic packs when you're drafting, compared to the 8-card packs that work for everything else. So, it feels like those are things that, when we get the uh, economy numbers and the real money economy numbers in a couple of days that might make drafting come in a lot higher than people are expecting because from Wizards' perspective, they can use those things as justifications. And that's one of the sad things is I think Phantom Drafts have proven to be a pretty reasonably good option for Magic Online, and I think what a reasonable number of people want is just to be able to draft as much as possible. That's one of the nice things about Hearthstone, is their drafts are like, I think, a buck fifty or two dollars, depending on how you pay for them. So it's very easy. When I get on my Hearthstone kicks, it's really easy to just be like, oh, I'll do another arena run. It's only two bucks, whatever. Oh, yeah, I'll do another arena run. So it's very cheap to just like keep drafting and keep drafting, even if you're playing poorly and losing a lot or getting variants out of games, which happens all the time in Hearthstone, but that's another issue altogether. But it's very easy to keep doing that. But if drafts come in at Arena at $5, at $8 or something, because, oh, it's real cards and, oh, it's 15-card packs is the justification, I think people are going to be pretty disappointed. Yeah. I'm just going to throw it out there. If they could only implement one mode, either Keeper or Phantom, I would 100% want Phantom. Yeah. If I had to choose only one of them. But ideally, they have both. But I, I just don't like how Wizards continually forces you to spend money. You know, I, I, you know do you want to play a draft? You got to buy three packs and then pay some extra money to, you know, play the draft itself, right? You know, why can't I just draft for fun? So the second part of that set was uh, we don't have real drafts. We're, we're drafting against an AI, you know, a set of AI uh, instead of players, which does that defeat the whole purpose of drafting? They, they should have just went all Hearthstone-y and just gave you three cards and you choose one because people are going to find out the pick order of the AIs and they're going to abuse it, right? They're going to know that, oh, you know, this card will definitely wheel 
based on how the AI works. So I'll just choose this other card. And it's just not fun, right? It's they, I, I, I don't know what they're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> where, well, where are they going with this, Seth? So in, in Defensive Arena, having actual drafts against other players is in their long-term plans. But I think it's... I don't know why they're doing this. Like, it almost feels to me like it would be better to just keep waiting for real drafts than to have this very odd against the computer draft, which I don't know. Have you ever used, there's a couple of random websites, I can't think of the name right now, but you can basically do this. Like, you open a pack and you're drafting against some AI to, like, practice drafting, essentially. You don't get to play the games, but, and I've seen some ridiculous AI drafting, so I don't have a ton of confidence that AI drafting is going to be comparable to real drafting, so... Ah, I'm pretty disappointed. I'm also a little disappointed that they publish an article on the mothership, like, oh, draft is coming. And then in the arena forums later that night, they're like, oh, by the way, it's this AI thing that we're doing for arena. And I was like, oh, really? Like, I actually was a little bit hyped because I enjoy playing limited. And I think playing limited on the arena client would be really fun. But I have zero interest in drafting against computers and AI. Like, why are they releasing it? This is what I don't understand, right? Why? Like, I, I understand. Like, I, okay, I kind of get what they want, right? They want to test people picking cards and stuff like that, right? But that's what your QA is for. That's not for, you know, your large pool of closed beta testers. It's like releasing a car without an engine and telling people to sit in it and see how it feels. But don't worry, when you buy it, it'll be totally different because it'll, like, have an engine, right? So I, I don't know why they're giving us these kind of micro steps that should be internal to them. It needs to be at a reasonable state of polish before they give it to us, because otherwise, you know, when Crip launches his stream playing AI Draft, <laughs> he's gonna be like, WTF, what is this? And all the people that tune in will be like, well, this is dumb, and they tune out, and they never see Arena again, and that's their impression of the game, and congratulations, you've just tainted your product to 20,000 people, right? So... I don't know what, what these like half solutions are. They should wait until it's in a reasonable state and then roll it out for us to test. I I almost think that maybe they just launched the beta too early. Like uh, I don't even know if this really counts as a beta from what a lot of people have been saying if you read over like social media and reddit and stuff it it is almost like an alpha like mm -hmm. uh, magic arena isn't really to the place where most games would consider it a beta there's so much that isn't finished so i almost feel like wizards just launched too early and maybe we should be like starting the beta process now instead of last fall because the progress has been slow and it's been pretty clunky and i i almost feel like they're using the community is free quality assurance, like you were saying, rather than actual beta testing where you're just like, oh, I found this bug, here's the bug, I'm playing basically the full game. You're playing a very, uh, a shell of what the game should be or could be or maybe will be. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's, the process has been a little bit strange to me. And I know they're talking about launching by the end of the year they had some uh, the first quarter report from Hasbro come out and that was again today mentioned that later in 2018 you're gonna have like it's gonna be the finished version and stuff like AI drafts four months after regular drafts are supposed to go live like that makes me wonder if that's a even a realistic target wait we're supposed to get a read by the end of 2018 Later in 2018, we're supposed to have official, yeah, launch of Arena. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's creeping in really fast. We're already a quarter of the <laughs> way through the year. 
Yeah. I don't know that I like where this is going. <laughs> because I guarantee you Hasbro will make them release it by the end of 2018. Like, if they're like, oh, we need a couple of months, I, I'm going to assume they're like, nope. <laughs> right? Release it now. So, uh, I... So, Magic Online, huh? <laughs> I, I've come full circle. I'm on the Seth boat now. I'm getting very skeptical of Arena. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, you've come around. It, it's really funny, because you really were very much hyped for Arena, so it's kind of weird to see this 180, and I'm still holding out hope they that they'll get it together. Leaf. But uh. I thought they turned a new leaf. You know, the, the Microsoft guy came in, <laughs> and they're like, we're technology-focused, and we're going to do this right, but it turns out it's the same. Wizards <laughs> Digital offering. <laughs> never, never trust Wizards Digital. That's that's the first. Right, still, beyond we're never, still, we're open... still beta. There's still time to turn the ship around, Seth. There's still I'm, time to turn the ship around. <laughs> I'm still holding out hope. The thing, that, honestly, the thing that worries me the most is I feel like they haven't been as responsive as I would like to feedback on stuff like the economy. So I really have my fingers crossed for the economy update. Cause I feel like there is hope and the arena still has a lot of potential. Maybe they're going a little too quickly. Maybe they started the, the beta quote unquote a little too early, but they can still get there. Like there's a lot of good things going on. So I'm really, I feel like a lot is riding on the economy release on Wednesday because there's been so much feedback. Last time they said, oh, we've heard your feedback. We're changing the economy. And they didn't make any meaningful changes. And that made it even worse. And now they promised it again. Just wait a couple weeks. We're going to do this big update. So if they again come back with not really improving the economy, then I think... Uh, that's going to be a really big issue. And it might even, like, if you read the arena forums, and who knows if it's true or not, but a lot of people saying, like, if this doesn't actually change and Wizards doesn't actually do what they're saying this time, I might just stop playing the game altogether, which is pretty scary for being in the beta process if some people already have that attitude. So one more arena thing before we move on. Uh, We've been talking about a little bit. The econ update for real money is coming on Wednesday. So I want your prediction, Richard. How much will a draft cost? How much will a booster pack cost in real in real dollars? I think a booster pack will cost two dollars. So a draft will be at least six, most likely seven or eight dollars. That that is my guess. Uh yeah. I mean I'm I think those are probably the baseline points. I think that's probably true. I think that it might be Hearthstone-esque, where it's $2, but if you buy 50 at a time, you get it for a cheaper price and some sort of bundle thing. So they'll probably come down from there, but I think that $2 and then probably $8 is a realistic starting point. So I guess one follow-up question, what are you expecting as far as community response when the IRL economy is announced like are we in for arena freakout version 2.0 on wednesday or pretty much yeah <laughs> i mean i they, they would have to be super generous and everything has shown so far that they're not generous at all with any of these they're super conservative and the expectation is we're supposed to pay money for this like i, I think most people have the unrealistic expectation that everything should be free but Wizards is like the complete opposite of that, where they're going to nickel and dime you for everything they can. <laughs> so I think that's why there's so much outrage. And I think even if it like is $2, people will be upset anyway. <sighs> right? They're going to be like, well, I want to go you know, do it for free or whatever, right? Like, So like, I, I don't know. I, I think whatever it is, it's going to be bad because it's not going to be free. <laughs> the question think... is, is it reasonable and will people use this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think, like, the community definitely, or at least a, a big aspect of it, is kind of unreasonable on where they want pricing to be. I've definitely seen uh, 50 cents a booster and no more, like, a dollar a booster and no more, and that seems a little extreme to me. On the other hand, I do feel like Wizards is slightly unreasonable in their own right, where if you really look at the numbers, it's like, ugh, this is... I don't know if this is cheaper than Magic Online, and I definitely don't think it's cheaper than the other free-to-play games that are competing in this space. So uh, my hope is there's, like, a meeting in the middle, and I don't know if it'll work that way because the community is so uh, wild and loves the pitchforks and Wizards loves their money. So I don't know if there's any way we get this meeting in the middle, but I would love to see uh, booster packs be, I don't know, uh, $1.50 and down to, like, a dollar if you buy a bunch of them in bulk and the community be like, all right, that's not free, but it's good enough and we're going to love it. And Wizards is like, eh, we're not milking you for the most extreme amount of money possible but you're going to buy a lot of our boosters but I don't have a lot of hope that either the community or wizards is going to is going to give and meet in the middle all, all of this the goodwill one. has been drained you know I think everyone was like me super optimistic and then they changed the vault the weekly rewards and then they're like redeemable paper paper codes but then they're like terrible I think people have all like they say one word to give your hopes up but when it actually comes out your hopes are let down so I'm prepared to be let down on Wednesday. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Well, we we do have a, a little more sunny arena topic to hit on briefly. They announced a arena creators program. Richard, have you uh, looked at this at all? What is the arena's creator program about? Yeah, it's, it's all kind of wishy-washy. But basically, uh, if you're a creator and they're counting creator as someone with video views... Uh, of more than a thousand or fifty plus on a live streaming service, uh, and you regularly create magic content, so at least four hours streaming or one uploaded video per week, uh, you can get in this program, and you will get "quote unquote" benefits, which they haven't actually released. Am I correct, Seth? Yeah, they have. They said some vague stuff: in-game something, you get faster support or uh, some sort of support type stuff if you have issues. But they haven't announced specifics like, "Oh, you get this or you get that." Yeah. So I don't know. What do you, What do you make of this, Seth? Is this also of note? There is no Magic Online equivalent of this program. For those of you wondering what the future of Magic Online is, this does not bode well because they're not like, oh, you know, digital magic creators program. On Magic Online, you get this. On Magic Arena, you get that. It's just all Magic Arena. So as far as the Magic Arena thing, I actually tweeted about that because I was a little disappointed that people have been making Magic Online content for 15 years now or so, like a long time, and there hasn't been anything like this, and Arena's been around for beta in six months, and they get their creators program, so I was a little salty about that, but I did talk to a couple of Wizards people, and they said that is actually in the works. Like, there is supposed to be a Magic Online counterpart. It's not the same program, so hopefully they do have a Magic Online version of this before super long. We'll see what happens. As far as the program, I think it's great that Wizards is offering support to people trying to create. Uh, It's a little hard to parse through what that actually means without knowing more specifics about what you get by being part of it, but 
I mean, any amount of support is better than no support. Like, if you're relatively new to streaming or making videos, having the main Wizards account retweet your stuff, I think that's one of the things they mentioned. Like, you'll get more priority on the social media accounts, on the Wizards website. That's a really huge deal if you're just starting out to get yourself in front of a bigger audience. So I feel like it can't be a bad thing. Like, even if, like, regardless of what the rewards are, I feel like this is a good thing. My only kind of criticism is 50 concurrent views is a lot on Twitch. Like, if you're a new streamer and you're playing Magic Arena, which is a game that doesn't have a big viewer base, it's pretty much brand new, it is going to be very difficult. So I feel like right now, the people that benefit from it are just people that are either they already have an audience from other games or they already have an audience from like magic online or paper magic or something those are the people that i think hit the benchmarks so i kind of wish it was a little easier like obviously you can't just give support to everyone because then there's no program and there should be some sort of baseline but i feel like the baseline numbers might cut off a lot of people that this program would really help like uh, people like wedge and the professor like they're already getting on the mothership and the social media or whatever, even us or whatever, we get that support kind of naturally. So I wish it did a little bit more for the new people that are just starting off and trying to make content on Magic Arena. Yeah, my my guess of what this program is, is kind of what you said. You're going to get featured in, say, the daily update. Uh, You're going to get invited to slash featured in things like uh, the streamer showdown and stuff like that, like those kind of events. What I don't believe this is, is here, have all the cards for free. Or uh, even even actual cards. I don't believe they'll give you like five boosters a week or something like that. They might give you a, a special card back or special frame showing you're a streamer or something. But everything seems to indicate this is more of a program to help you promote as opposed to any kind of financial aid or card aid or anything like that. So uh, it's interesting. And it's interesting to see what they do with this going forward if there's a bigger tier for example like the crypt tier (laughs) where you know you're so big that you actually get something special like i I don't know what it would be you know like you you come down to wizards at the pro tour and do something Um, my guess is that'll be on a more one one one-on-one basis but we've seen it done before with amaz with crypt when you get these really big streamers uh, i think there'll be something special that Wizards going to do to help promote their game to a wider audience I think that, yeah, that's probably true, and I think it's a good point about not getting cards. I think I actually agree with you there. I don't think that this is... Uh, there's been bad feedback already from the community about some of the streamers getting more packs than other people, and that's during a beta when accounts are getting wiped and it doesn't really make a huge difference. So I would be surprised if this was actually giving you... Ma- uh, magic cards to play in Arena. I think the in-game items, like you said, cosmetic items, they mentioned giving creators like beta codes to give out to their audience so maybe things like that some sort of like giveaway type stuff but i think it definitely is more for promotion and i mean if you're someone that's making magic arena content i definitely think you should apply for it like it can't hurt i i applied for it i got a a thing in my email about it and i applied for it and it took like uh, two minutes it's a very short thing to fill out so if you're thinking about streaming arena making videos for arena definitely do it also if you're looking to hit the benchmark go the youtube route that is you are going to hit a thousand views on youtube because it's a thousand total views like so it doesn't have to be one video you're gonna if you put up videos on a regular basis even if you're getting 
20 views a video, you will get there most likely quicker than averaging 50 concurrent Twitch viewers. So even if you're a streamer, dump your replays on YouTube or make highlight clips and put them on YouTube, and I think that'll get you to that 1,000 view thresh mark and make you eligible for the, um, the program a little bit quicker. Uh, anyway, one more topic, and then fish mail. So, Richard, just this morning, we got some potentially scary finance news. I, I don't know how scary this actually is. So, Wizards, or actually Hasbro, released their first quarter earnings report, and it's kind of hard to parse through. It, unfortunately, since Hasbro's a huge company, it doesn't just list out like, oh, Magic did, made this much money. These are the percentages. But what we know from the report is, compared to last year at this time, the first quarter of 2017, Magic is down, and they're hoping that Dominaria hype and Arena uh, at the end of 2018 will help boost Magic. So that's one thing. Magic down. Also, the categories that Magic is a part of, which is gaming, Asbro, and also premier brands, they were down significantly, like 20%. I think one was 19, one was 22%. So combined, the news is bad for Magic. We don't know exactly how bad these numbers are, because like I said, it doesn't say Magic down this percent. But we know that it wasn't a great quarter for Magic. So what do you make of this, Richard? Is this scary? Is this the Toys R Us shutting down? Should we care about this? Does it not matter? What do you think? I have no idea. It's too... (laughs) Because it's lumped into basically every other game Hasbro has, like like Monopoly. So Monopoly and Magic the Gathering are their headliners, apparently. So I I guess you could say it's bad because if we're headlining the category, the category's down 20%. That's probably not a good sign. But it could just mean that you know, Magic was keeping even while Monopoly just plummeted off the face of the earth because Toys R Us shut down. We don't know. All we know is, in general, Hasbro's not doing too hot. And uh, they specifically said Magic is not doing too hot, but they could not quantify it specifically. So, takeaway, I I don't know. The takeaway is I'm scared for Magic Arena. (laughs) Because, you know, if, if if they're having bad quarters there's going to be more pressure on kind of their premier brands, which Magic is one of, to perform and to, you know, this is where decisions that make money quickly, uh, you know, that may not be good for the long term, may be pushed ahead, you know, like, ah, oh, just get Magic Arena out there so we make some money, even if it's terrible, we need to make some money this quarter so our earnings look good. So that's where I feel the fear from, not for Magic itself, but because Hasbro is not doing well, it might force Magic to do things, you know, things like reprint Jace the Mind Sculptor or, you know, (laughs) make more Master Set or, you know, make pack prices high on Magic Arena. Like, kind of of those things as opposed to, you know, Hasbro going bankrupt next week. Like, I I don't think that's going to happen. Magic's not dead. Uh, So those things are not concerning. But just the pressure it puts on Magic to perform. Yeah, I definitely agree. This is where uh, the concern of, like, rushing out Arena early and maybe having that be a negative, like we were talking about earlier, like having the unfinished product showing up on Crypt Stream to 20,000 people and maybe being a negative in the long run, that's the kind of stuff I worry about. I think Dominary response has been great. Standard has greatly improved. Modern is more uh, popular than probably it's ever been. So I feel like 
there's a ton of great news as far as Magic having recovered from a pretty rough time, you know, a year ago, 18 months ago. So I feel like we're there's a lot of good aspects, but that's my concern. Are we going to see more supplemental products pushed out to try to get up the bottom line? Are we going to see Arena rushed out too early to the long-term detriment of the client because they really got to meet that 2018 date and they need that fourth quarter earnings to look good? So those are my concerns, but I, I don't know. I am not particularly worried about this report. I just hope that they, they don't freak out too much and make short-term decisions that are negatives in the long term to try to get that bottom line up. And uh, I think that brings us to fish mail. So lots of topics today, but let's get to our fish mail questions. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Mr. Obese, with Brawl being an official format, does it make sense moving forward to restrict cards as opposed to outright bans? This would allow Brawl to not be affected by vans, yet still hinder standard. Oh man, we, we missed a topic, Richard. We were going to talk about Brawl. Well, maybe this will be a nice segue to mention that really quickly. Uh, n- we've had this question before. No, I think it's too confusing to restrict cards in standard. And one of the things that came out about Brawl just in the last day or two was that right now it's using the standard ban list. But I think that that's what needs to change. I think that just like Commander, Brawl needs its own ban list. And that might be happening sooner rather than later. Did you see the Brawl results from the first Brawl tournament, Richard? I saw the Brawl results. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if he's banned in 1v1 commander, you might want to consider banning him <laughs> in he, 1v1 brawl. It, it was the quick numbers. Six of the top eight decks at the brawl challenge were brawl decks. 17 of the top 32 decks were brawl decks. And by my count, 30 of the 32 decks were blue decks. So even if it wasn't brawl, it was like Nicole Bolas, Scarab God. I think there were two mono green Galta decks, or maybe one Galta and one Nissa, but there were two mono green decks and then 30 blue or blue X decks. So uh, we'll see. It's the very first tournament of the format, but uh, do you think they should split up the ban list, Richard, or should Brawl just follow the standard ban list? And what do you think about They should hide these results. <laughs> because, it, no, like, is Brawl supposed to be a 1v1 format or a multiplayer format? Ah, they're like, running tournaments. You run the same problem where 1v1 commander spoils the good name of multiplayer commander, right? Like, they're like, oh, you know, I don't want to play a format full of Tassigers and Brawls and Embercles or whatever, right? And you're like, that's not what Commander is about. That's what 1v1 Commander was about, uh, which they actually last week changed all kinds of stuff with the bannings. But, you know, people see that and they think it's Commander and they confuse the two and they, you know, get turned off the format. 1v1 Brawl will be totally different than multiplayer Brawl. Right? Can you imagine playing standard in a multiplayer format, like an actual standard deck? The metagame will be totally different than what you see at the Pro Tour. So I, I don't know why they continue to mix these names and give players the wrong impressions. So I would not take anything from from this unless you're actually playing 1v1 Brawl. If you're playing 1v1 Brawl, then this is the metagame, play blue. But if you're playing multiplayer Brawl, I, I don't see how this invalidates your you know, your fish deck or your dinosaur deck or whatever. It's like a totally different format. Yeah, and I don't think the decks that were dominant on the tournament scene would even be that good in multiplayer, because the Brawl decks are basically just play all the counter spells possible, like play Brawl at turn two, counter all your opponent's stuff, draw cards, win eventually, and 
that strategy is great when you have one opponent, but that strategy isn't as great when you have three opponents. Because sure, you can counter your you know one opponent's thing each turn, but then there's still two more people probably trying to kill you because they don't like getting their stuff countered. So I don't think these results matter at all for uh, multiplayer brawl, and maybe that's a problem. Maybe brawl just isn't a tournament format, or maybe that's not what the format should be doing. Yeah, I mean, if it's a tournament format, it needs its own ban list. You can't tell me that, you know, there's the same ban list between a multiplayer game, 1v1 brawl, and also standard. <laughs> like, it, it's cool that they start off the same, but eventually they're going to have to diverge because each will have their own local metagames and will require their own adjustments. Alright, next question. We have AntCook91. Has Seth ever considered Repel the Abominable as a budget-friendly mono-white answer to combo decks like Storm? Uh, what I is, have played this card Repel. Prevents all damage from non-human sources. It's two and a white. Uh, I have played it before, usually in like human stacks as like a protection spell. Playing it as a damage prevention spell, that could be interesting. Like, that could work against Storm. I'd have to think of the other combo decks. Like, uh, it seems like it's good against certain combo decks. Storm, uh, the the Lightning Storm kill of Ad Nauseam, but not the Laboratory Maniac kill. So it kind of depends on the deck in specific. Doesn't stop Emrakul annihilating you, for example. So, I don't know. Could be worth considering. All right. Uh, Benjamin with THI... Not sure if I'm missing something, but why are Zendikar Expedition fetches and Shockland skyrocketing in price? Uh, I think it's uh, speculation, mostly, honestly. I have seen a lot of financy types talking about it and uh, buying those cards, and honestly, I think that's fine. Like, I know people don't like speculation and the finance aspect, a lot of people, but I feel like stuff like Expeditions are 100% what you want you know, the finance community and collectors to be dealing with compared to modern staples or whatever. All right, Dacklebox09, thoughts on the future of Frontier as a format? Yeah. I mean, I think what happens is they create Arena Modern, and whatever that is is what becomes the paper equivalent of Frontier. Yeah, I, I think the Frontier as we knew it, the the one that starts at Cons of Tarkir, uh, it's still going on in like Japan and Toronto, but I think in general, it's kind of stalled out and it's just there. And when people talk about Frontier, they're talking about the hypothetical Frontier that's coming. Eventually, they're going to cut it off. <laughs> and uh, we're all thinking it's going to be the arena cutoff that's going to be used officially. And that will be the, the actual Frontier going forward or whatever they call it. Uh, next question. I mind screw with Brawl coming. How long do you think the average game would or should be? I figure since decks are smaller and the card pool is limited, it may be shorter than a typical commander game. Ooh. Well, you played a multiplayer brawl game. What was your take on that, Richard? I haven't actually played multiplayer brawl yet. Games are a lot faster and aggressive, I think. I, I, like, total time, I don't know that it's much uh, quicker, but the game escalates quite quickly. Uh, your answers are relatively weak. You can't wrath till turn five usually. I mean, you can, I guess, do it on turn three with mini wraths. But the the real big board wipes don't come out till turn five, and people only start at thirty life, and that gets dwindled down pretty quickly if you just curve out with an aggro deck and like beat on someone. So I I think it doesn't play like commander, and it's actually 
more aggressive, I would say. I think the game escalates and gets into an interesting position quite quickly. Yeah, and I mean, I think just having less life, that would suggest that maybe it's slightly faster, just less life means uh, the game will end a little quicker, potentially, but interesting. Interesting what kind of, like, if you compare it to actual combo decks in Commander, like, they can end on turn 2 or turn 3, so they might actually be faster if you can't interact with them. Uh, but if you're playing like mid-rangey Dirtle decks, I, I think the, the game escalates much quicker in Brawl because the answers are not as good. Uh, Snore Johnson 664 do you think any modern legal decks could compete in Legacy? Uh, Splinter Twin could. I guess it's not <laughs> modern legal anymore, but also Eldrazi like, essentially competes with some Legacy lands thrown in, so I think Shells can compete, but I think usually you need a few upgrades to cards that aren't legal and modern. Alright, Soken Zen Tower. If Watsi announced they're bringing all formats to Arena but not transferring collections, would you abandon Moto? How long do you think Moto would survive against a fully working Arena? Uh... I mean, I, I think it still partly depends on the economy and how much that it costs. Uh, but I, yeah, I think that would make it more appealing if Arena had all the formats on it. If it wasn't ridiculously overpriced, then uh, I could potentially see that just uh, taking over for Arena yeah. or for Magic Online. You need collections. You also need play types or tournament types. Like, uh, you know, do they support actual limited... Uh, do they support Commander? Uh, I think that's one thing that will prevent us from abandoning Moto. I, I doubt Arena will support four players, and to play Commander Clash, we're going to have to fire up Dino Magic <laughs> Online here and uh, chip away at each other's life totals. Ryan Poe85, how about a rotating ban list in Modern? We have a few months where fetches are banned, and then they're unbanned, and then another set of cards are banned. I think the problem is people hate having their cards banned, especially in modern where some decks are pretty expensive, $800, $1,000, $1,500. So uh, saving up and putting together a $1,000 deck just to have it randomly banned thanks to a rotating ban schedule, I think that would probably cause a lot of people to freak out and maybe not play the format or build decks in the format at all. Yeah, it sounds like you want extended <laughs> yeah, but extend it was basically like modern that rotates. The whole point of modern is it's not supposed to rotate, and the whole point of standard is supposed to rotate. And then extended is like standard with the bigger pool, but then no one played it, so they just scrapped it. So I'm not not sure, not sure what to do with that. Uh, next question: Urker Asylum, modern or legacy brawl? Might be cool to see the format expanded to a wider card pool. Uh. Is it then, Legacy Brawl, like, Commander? Commander, yeah. That's like, what, what I was what's, what's the say, difference at that point? No Commander damage, lower life totals. Uh, unless they're thinking of 1v1, maybe they're 1v1 competitive players, then that would that's still like 1v1 Commander. I don't know, I guess it's Commander with Planeswalkers legal and smaller decks. I don't think it's really... I guess I could see an argument for Modern, because that would still feel a decent amount different mm -hmm. than... Commander, but once you get back to Legacy, might as well just play Commander, I think. Can't, can't play Sol Ring. <laughs> Sebastian Tans, do you think humans can be a solid Legacy deck? The deck is one of the best in Modern, and we know Wizards will print more humans. Maybe. I mean, Death and Taxes is pretty legitimate in Legacy, so and humans is similar, so maybe the humans would have a chance? What do you think, Richard? Mm, I think Death and Taxes is the closest you're going to get. 
I, I don't yeah. I don't believe un- unless they actually print like one drops that deny mana or something. <laughs> like you you need the other stuff to to deal with decks. You need the Rashad and Port. You need the Wastelands. And really, Thalia is the only human that's kind of doing something that's actually a human, and she's just taxing everyone. I, I don't think you can just play creatures and curve out and kill someone. Uh, you need to play some disruption. So Merfolk is close. Merfolk plays counter spells and stuff. And uh, Death and Taxes plays taxing effects. Uh, so if they make enough hateful one or two drop humans, you might get there. But currently, our best ones start at two, and the majority of the humans deck in Modern starts at three. So. And, I mean, for, with Death and Taxes, one of the best aspects of that deck is how poor in Wasteland really make the deck work and tax your opponent's resources and their mana. And I feel like humans, thanks to their five-color nature, would have a hard time supporting eight colorless lands. Uh, Semper Nemo, I have everything to play UW Control and Modern, but I can't get over the 2-3-3-2 hump in Magic Online Leagues. How would you tune the deck in the hyper-aggressive meta? So I'm looking more towards 3-2s and 4-1s. Man, that's a that's a tough one. <laughs> Control and modern is always up and down. I think it's probably a lot about just uh, just playing and playing and playing and playing and getting really good at it. The people that have success with control decks in modern are typically people that have been playing those decks a ton. So uh, I guess you could just add in more sideboard stuff for aggro, or you could play kitchen finks in the main deck. So I don't know if there's just one solution though to suddenly making that happen. Yeah, I heard one of my friends plays UW Control. I heard periphery nodes. I don't know how legitimate that is. <laughs> But that could be a thing for hyper-aggressive decks. Also, Damping Sphere is now out. Fits right into UW control for uh, your big mana matchups and storm matchups. Uh, Dylan J9889, with the release of the Saga card type, do you think we'll see Sagas in future sets decades from now that recap the events of the sets we're playing now? Like one of them describing Eldrazi Winter. Uh, I mean, maybe. Return to Return to Dominaria 50-year anniversary of Magic. Could see that happening. Yeah, if Magic is still around in 10 years, (laughs) this could happen. (laughs) Last question. Super Psycho. I haven't played Modern on Moto since Jace's return. Wonder if I should sell my Death Shadow deck as a whole, slash keep the lands, keep the staples. If so, which ones? Don't want to get crushed by the metagame shifts. Uh, so it sounds like you're planning on playing Modern again at some point, maybe? I would definitely keep the lands. I don't know about keeping, like, if it's necessary to keep Death Shadow. Looking at a Death Shadow list, I would keep basically the entire mana base. I would keep the discard spells, Thought Season, Inquisition, and that, I, I mean, probably Snapcaster. And then I think that's, like, those are the cards I would definitely want to keep. Isn't that like the whole deck? <laughs> you can sell your, your street race, your ops. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess if you're keeping all that, th- those are probably the most valuable cards in the deck. I think the cards that are expensive in that deck are the cards that you would want to keep, so maybe it's not even worth selling. Yeah, all right. And one last question is asked multiple times. I'll sum it up for in one question for Seth. I'm not I- dabbing. Okay, no, not dabbing. <laughs> Although that, that was a question, <laughs> but... <laughs> I pulled random card X from my Dominaria pre-release. Should I sell it now? Yes. Uh, 98% of the cards from Dominaria will decrease in price over the coming months. So, as a general rule, just sell your cards early before the supply increases. 
every once in a while you'll be disappointed and six months from now something will spike but if you do that consistently in the long run that's the best financial move and to round that out when should i buy cards from dominaria if i need some dominaria cards uh, basically the longer you wait the better off you'll be but usually if you can wait a month uh, to six weeks you'll start to see cards coming down in price towards their floor and then keep in mind rotation coming in september so i would want to make sure i had gotten what i needed from dominaria by like august sometime in august because with kaladash and amoncat blocks leaving tons of the best cards and decks and standards leaving the format it could be that dominaria is suddenly like the kaladash of our post rotation standard where it's the best set with the best cards and prices might go up then all right, sweet. So that's all our fish meal for this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail. Oh, and I think that brings us to the end of episode 169 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. It's always fun. Always a pleasure, Seth. And thanks, everyone, for listening. So we will be back next week to talk some more magic with episode 170. So until then, this is the group signing out.